Greeting us so well today. Uh, before we begin the message, a couple of things. Uh, I know some of you are wondering how did we come out on Finest Hour. You remember Finest Hour was our effort in 2021 to make it our finest hour of generosity ever. Uh, we prayed, we'd set a goal of $5.5 million. So I've got some good news. We actually received $4,966,000 as of December 31st. Yeah. And some of you are saying, well, we didn't meet our goal. Well, here's what I know. I think if we hadn't set the goal of 5.5, we'd have never gotten the 4.9. So I'm really grateful for that. Now I want to tell you some better news. The better news is uh, that because of some wise decisions uh, on the part of our staff in terms of spending, uh, we either have already spent or have cash in hand for the Pacala building $2.2 million 11449. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty good. Um, and of course, that's not what the building's going to cost. It's going to cost more than that. We're going to borrow the difference. Um, but we just thank God for what we have. But I want to tell you the best news of all. The best news of all is that hundreds of people in this last year took a next step toward Jesus Christ. They took a next step believing it is more blessed to give than receive. When you give, you attack the selfishness of your heart, and hundreds of people in our church attacked the selfishness of their heart. They gave generously, they gave over and above, and I, I just wanna thank you because you actually lived out what Jesus taught us in the Sermon on the Mount, that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, and you showed your heart is with Jesus, and I wanna applaud you, well done. Thank you. Now. If you're watching online, at the end of this message, we're gonna take the Lord's Supper. So you might wanna slip out to the kitchen real quick, get a cracker, uh, get some juice. If you don't have any juice, get some water. If you don't have any water, Diet Coke, something. Uh, the Lord understands uh, the circumstances we're in, but we want you to be able to share the Lord's Supper with us. So let me ask you this question. What do you want for 2022? What do you want for this year? How many of you wanted to be better than the last couple of years? Yeah, I think we'd all agree on that. And I'm trying to think about what do I really want in this year and what I really want for myself and what I really want for our church is I want this year to be a year of hope. And, and the verse that I've been drawn to is Romans 15, 13, and you've heard it. I want to share it with you again. It goes like this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I think this is a powerful prayer given to us by Paul, and it's something that we need to live out this year. In fact, I want you to just read it with me this time. Will you do that? And I want you to read it like you've already had four cups of coffee, okay? So let's read it together. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to challenge you to memorize this verse this year. Now, some of you are panicked because you are thinking, I don't even know my phone number. <laughs> but you can do this. And I think this is one of those verses that we need to memorize because it's going to remind us constantly that we need something from our Heavenly Father, and that's hope. The Apostle Paul wrote this as a prayer to the church at Rome, obviously, because it's in the book of Romans. 
And it's coming at the end of his teaching section. And the church at Rome faced all kind of external pressure. People saying, we don't know who these Christians are. We don't trust them. We don't like them. And people inside the church where there was a lot of tension and pull because there were some very poor people, very rich people, people of different political views, people of different economic status. In other words, a typical church. And so there's tension inside the church. And Paul understands these people need hope. Now, why do I think we need hope this year? Well, we've been through a long slog called COVID, in case you hadn't noticed. Last two years have been tough, I think, on all of us. You realize there are kids now in third grade, when they started school in first grade, COVID wasn't a thing, but they now have never known a normal school year. It's been a tough time. It's been a tough time because, I mean, we, we went through shutdown and then we went through mask and no mask and oh, wear your mask again, vaccinate, not vaccinate. You know, all these decisions, these things, some of us, we, we had trouble getting into stores. We were afraid. We we're afraid we we're going to get the, 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 the virus, and, and some of us have lost loved ones because of COVID. It's been a tough couple of years, and that's why we need hope. But that's not the only reason. I think we've lost connection. It's been a time where families have gone a couple of years without seeing people. I, I was talking to a woman not the, uh, the other day, and she said, I have grandchildren I've never seen in person because I'm afraid to travel because of COVID. Um, we don't work in offices anymore. And my daughter, who works in Atlanta, has never been to her company's office because they don't have one. That's just out of my mind. And I think we need hope because we're losing connection. I think we need hope because we've been under a lot of stress with work. Has anybody's job not changed because of COVID? And just think of the stress. You know, we're not doing the same things we used to do. A lot of Zoom meetings that we used to try to do in person. And, and some of you, because of COVID, your workload has grown. You know, particularly if you're in construction and if you're in healthcare, oh my gosh. You have had, you know, 24 months of just stress upon stress upon stress. And some of us have lost jobs because our companies went under. I think that's one of the reasons we need help. And, and, and we've had tension in our country. And one of the things I kind of dread about this year, it's another election year. It's like, please, can it just go away? All the... Sorry, that's my political opinion. But it's just... Uh, and, 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 you know, and it just pulls people apart. You get in uncomfortable conversations. And then, of course, we have racial tensions. We have economic tensions. I, you know, this is a time of tension. That's why I think we need hope. But I also think about the burdens that people are carrying. I meet with a group of men uh, every Wednesday morning at a restaurant, and we hadn't seen this one waitress in a while, and she was waiting on us this week. And, and we said, hey, we missed you. And she said, well, I've been away. Where have you been to? She said, well, my daughter was murdered. She said, I had to go up and take care of my two grandsons, and now they've come to live with me. And she knows what I do for a living. And she looked at me and she said, pray for me, pastor. My gosh, what that woman is carrying. Not too long ago, I had a teenage boy come up to me and said, hey, pastor, would you pray for me? I said, sure, what, what, tell me about it. And he said, well, he said, um, we live with my mom's boyfriend and he's physically abusive to her. 
And if she leaves him, we don't have anywhere to go, so we'd have to sleep in our car. Would you pray? Thinking, oh, how old are you? He's like 16. He says, I'm trying to find work to provide for our family. I'm thinking at 16, I was just hoping a girl would kiss me. The burdens people carry, it's incredible. I think that's why we need hope. And, and you may start asking, well, okay, what do you mean when you say hope? I love Dallas Willard's definition. Hope is the anticipation of good that has not yet arrived. It's the anticipation of good that's not yet arrived. So think of hope like this. Uh, to kind of illustrate a little bit, we live in reality. Okay, and I don't know what your reality is, but I know you've got it. But you hope for something different. Some of you, you stepped on the scales January 1st, and you faced reality, right? And you started hoping for something different, right? So hope. And there's a gap between reality and hope. And that's what Dallas World is saying. There's this anticipation. This hasn't happened yet. Now, let me tell you what happens when we feel this gap. When we feel this gap, we either respond in one of two ways. Either we try harder or we stop trying. We try harder. So you get on the scales and you say, oh my gosh, I got to do something about this. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to try harder. I'm not going to eat that. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to do these things. So you try harder and, and that will result in some progress. But that is incredibly difficult to sustain, especially if you're hoping for improvement in relationship. If you're saying, well, I'm going to try harder to be a good husband. You're going to try, you're going to try, you're going to try, but you're not going to quite get to where you hope. And this is the second response usually that happens. We try, we don't see that we're making progress fast enough, so we stop trying. And we just settle and we say, well, this is reality. This is just the way it is. This is, I'm just going to be this size. I, I am just, I'm, this is just who I am as a husband. This is just who I am as a, as a kid, as a Christian. And that's what I see, you know, if you're living trying all the time, trying harder, you're living anxiously, then if you live and you quit trying, you're living depressed. And these strategies don't seem to be working for us. That's why I think it's important for us to really look at the verse that's laid out for us, that Paul lays out, and let's really see the key to making this a year of hope for us personally and for us as a church. So the very first thing that Paul says is, may the God of hope, this is important. I'm tempted to say, if you don't get anything else I say today, get this. Our God is a God of hope. Our God is a God of hope. That's one of the reasons you need to read the scripture so you can see the stories of hope. When Adam and Eve sin and they get thrown out of the garden, what does God do? Does God say, I'm done with you? No. God actually makes them close. He is still with them. He's still at work. He's still giving them hope. When the world is so sinful that God says, I'm going to wipe it out, he looks at a man named Noah and says, I'm still going to give this world hope. I'm going to start with Noah. Abraham and Sarah, they can't have kids. God's promised them one. They have to live in hope. And finally, when he is 99 and she's 89, she gets pregnant. Let me tell you, folks, that is hope becoming reality. 
And then you look at, at Jacob. Hey, go down to Egypt. Yes, your people will become slaves, but they're going to then go to the promised land. I'm going to make them a great nation. Jacob lives in hope because God's a God of hope. David, you are a shepherd, but I'm going to make you a king. That is hope. Jesus meets people who are blind, who are crippled, who are incapacitated, possessed by demons. And God says, through Jesus, there is going to be hope for you. I'm going to heal you. I am going to cast out that demon. And finally, I'm going to down a cross and come back to life because I am a God of hope. And if the God you're worshiping is not a God of hope, you are worshiping the wrong God. Now I want you to see the next phrase. May the God of hope fill you. Fill you. Now I know this isn't very reverent, but when I read this, I have a 1960s flashback. And what I hear in my head is Aretha Franklin singing, what you want, baby, I got it. I see some of you were not alive in the 60s, but that was great music. And all I can think of is God saying, what you want, I've got it. And I don't think God calls us baby, you know, but that's another story. Our God wants to fill you. Now, if your image of God is someone who sits on a throne and hurls lightning bolts, you've got the wrong picture of God in your mind. Our God is a God of hope who wants to fill you because we all have these empty spaces in our souls and they're unique to you. They're unique to me. We have some of them in common. You may have an empty space in your soul because of an addiction. You may have an empty space in your soul because of depression or anxiety You may have an empty space in your soul because of past and guilt. And God wants to fill that empty space. Our God wants something for you, not just something from you. This is why the Christian God is different than all other gods of all the other religions in the world. All the other religions, all the other gods that are taught, they all want something from you. Our God wants something for you. So what does God want to fill you with? He wants to fill you with joy and peace. This is what so many people miss. They say, okay, I'm going to be hopeful today. You hear a sermon like this and and you go home, you say, I'm going to be hopeful tomorrow morning. And it's Monday and your alarm doesn't go off. And so you've overslept. Now you've got five minutes to get ready and get to work. And you're saying, oh yes, I'm supposed to be hopeful. I am going to will myself to hope. I am going to take this lousy reality I've woken up to and I'm going to lift myself up. How's that working for you? Not so good, right? No. No. Because we greatly overestimate the power of our will. Can I just tell you, you don't have that much willpower. You don't. You have it in selected areas in your life. And it will help you go and achieve. It'll help you even make some big decisions. But most of us, all of us, there are places in our life where our willpower is not enough. So our God wants to fill you with joy and peace. Hope is not the first step. The first step is to be filled with joy and peace. Now, I've got to teach you a little Greek to help you understand this. 
So, in Greek, the word for joy is chara. And the word for grace is chares. And scholars agree that these two words in Greek are so intertwined, they cannot be separated. How do you get joy? How do you get chara? You get grace, chares. When the grace of Jesus Christ enters your life, when you're living in the grace of Jesus, then and only then does the joy begin to naturally flow without you forcing it. Because joy is not something you can force. It is something that happens. Uh, Let me help you understand this maybe a little better. How many of you have been to Disney World? Were you happy? It's the happiest place on earth. Yeah, a bunch of you going, yeah. A couple of you going, no, you know what it costs to go to Disney? Now, those of you who are parents, first time you you held one of your babies, did you feel some joy? Some of you felt so much joy you cried, right? I shouldn't tell, I didn't tell this in any of the service, but you know, this is why you should come to this service. When my first child was born and they put him in my arms, I was channeling Gomer Pyle. Because all I could do was say, Shazam. And that's all, Shazam, Shazam, Shazam. It was very eloquent. Hartman. But that was the joy coming out of my heart, right? Now let me ask you this. Would you trade that kind of joy for another day at Disney? No. Now, a couple of you are saying, well, some days, yeah, when the kids are kind of, no, no. No, that's, that's the difference. And so joy comes out of this grace that God has given you something that you, you, you could not experience otherwise. He's given you grace. Jesus Christ came to the earth, died for your sins, rose again, so you can have a bridge built between you and God, and that is grace. And that leads to joy. All right, now there's another thing that we want to be filled with, and that's peace. How, do you, how are you filled with peace? And again, you're kind of in the same thing. If you strive for peace, you're not going to get it. Peace is something that you are bestowed with. Peace is a deep sense of well-being that you are taken care of and you are protected. Uh, when I was a little boy, about eight or nine years old, I was the youngest child, so often I would be traveling with my parents whenever they would drive to see family or we'd go to a, a Gator football game or something. I'd be the only one. And I can remember it'd be late at night, we'd be traveling home, and my mother would turn around. We had a big green Buick. I mean, one of those big 450, four-barrel. That was back when cars were cars and men were men. You know what I'm talking about? And it had a back seat that you could seat a whole football team in. And mama would say, she'd turn around and she'd say, now you just lay down. You just lay down. Go to sleep. And I would, I'd stretch way out. And I'm thinking, I think back on it now, it's like, that took a lot of trust. But I remember feeling this deep sense of peace. The car would kind of rock. And I would fall asleep. And I was trusting my stepfather to drive. And I knew that he would stay awake, and I knew that he would make sure that we were safe. I was in his care. And I knew that he would stay awake because he smoked cheap cigars to stay awake. And let me tell you, that'll keep you awake. 
Do you realize your heavenly father says, look, I want to bring you into my arms. I want to give you peace. You're secure. You're with me no matter what's happening or what's going on. It's not saying everything's going to be good, but I'm there. I'm at work. You can have my peace. Hope is a byproduct of being filled with joy and peace. And these only come from our heavenly father. So one of the things I want to encourage you to do is all this year, but maybe even especially this week, will you just pray a prayer that goes like this? Heavenly Father, God of all hope, fill us with joy and peace. Heavenly Father, you God of all hope, fill us with joy and peace. Can you pray that every day this week? What would happen if you did? I don't think you can pray a prayer like that and mean it unless you trust God. And that's actually the next phrase in this verse. Uh, Paul has said, okay, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace. And then look at the next phrase, as you trust in him. Now the word trust is a very interesting word. Um, it's going to be helpful if you remember that the basic meaning of trust is faith. And in scripture, faith is not a noun, it is a verb. So we really ought to translate this. This is horrible English, but it's good theology. We really ought to translate this as, as you faith in him. The wrong question to ask is, do you have faith? That's the wrong question. The right question is, are you faithing? Are you faithing? Are you living this out? Are you actively trusting God? When something goes wrong in your life, are you saying, okay, God, I don't know what to do. You do. I trust you. I put my faith. I am faithing in you. I know you want to fill me up. Fill me up. If you're familiar with the 12 steps, you'll understand this. Because the third step of the 12 steps is may a, you make a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. It is saying, God, I can't, you can some people call this a vital spiritual experience. It means, God, I am faithing that you can put joy and peace in my life and that's gonna fill me up with hope. And that's actually how the verse finishes. It says, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I love that picture. That overflow, so that you may be filled all the way up and it's starting to spew out. I know this is kind of a disgusting illustration, but we had a clogged sink over the holidays, so many people in our house. So I am the plumber designated among Gina and I, and I went in and I know how to undo the pipes and I undid the pipes and you know, there's still a little bit of trickle of water and then I kind of took a, a sharp piece of metal that I've got and I kind of jam it up in there and all of a sudden, whoosh! And the little tub I had filled up to overflowing. I said it was kind of disgusting, right? But I want you to think about the pure joy and peace that comes from your heavenly father and that filling you up to overflowing so hope flows out of your life. So that hope flows out of your life into the lives of other people. And this happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the supernatural side of faith. I think sometimes we don't talk often enough about it. It's probably my fault. But, but here's what I want you to remember. We're talking about things that only God can do in you. 
And if you're not experiencing that overflowing hope in Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, that means there's a disconnect. And you need to say, whatever that disconnect is, God, show it to me because that's what I want. That's when you begin to see God put in your mind that thoughts you didn't have. You see God begin to work out circumstances. One of the worst words you can use is the word luck. Because so often luck is the hand of grace from God. So don't say, whoo, we sure were lucky that car didn't hit us. No, you were blessed. God was at work. I feel real privileged because I, I get to do what I do. I love to do what I do and I'm very privileged. And I get to experience this kind of supernatural intervention almost on a weekly basis. When I'm up here and I'm talking and I'm saying things and all of a sudden something will come out of my mouth that I didn't plan to say. Something will come out of my mouth that's not written on my notes. I hadn't thought about it all week and it just flies out of my mouth in a moment and I'm thinking, see, because I think while I talk, and I'm thinking, where'd that come from? And people will come to me afterwards and say, what you said there, that really spoke to me. I was like, I'm really glad. I didn't plan to say it. I don't say that part. What is that? That's a supernatural power of God. And you say, well, I'm not a preacher. That doesn't happen to me. Oh, yes, it does. Because some of you have been in a fight. <laughs> and so you wanted to say something. And there was some voice inside of you that said, don't say that. And you didn't say that, and instead you said something else, and that actually led to a de-escalation of the conflict and a reconciliation, and you say, you know, where did that come from? I wasn't thinking that. That's the supernatural movement of the Holy Spirit in your life, giving you peace that you don't have to always be right in an argument. Instead, you can live in the peace of God, knowing that however the argument turns out, he's got you. And there's going to be joy, and you can be filled with hope. Now, what I wish I could do, and I know some of you are anti-vaxxers, but I wish I could give you all a vaccine with hope in it. Okay, that's what I really wish. I wish we had it, I could bottle it, and say before you leave the room, we're going to wrestle you to the ground, we're going to vaccinate you with some hope. I don't care if you like it or not. Now... Okay, if you're watching this, I'm not talking about the other vaccines that are out there. I'm just talking about hope. Don't send me emails. We don't have that shot, right? I don't have that shot. It doesn't exist. I'm going to tell you something else. You can't find that through a spiritual program. You can't find it just by running through some hoops in a church. What a church can do is we can create some environments and we can create opportunities for you to do some disciplines and for you then to be filled with joy and peace and find hope. So I want to challenge you real quick as we finish up to think about four disciplines or environments that you might need to make 2022 a year of hope. Here's the first one. I want to encourage you to know community and get in a group. I want to encourage you to know community and get in a group. Why? Because you need to be around people who will encourage you and who are people of hope. So years ago, I went to a conference uh, and they had all the pastors of a certain size church meet together. 
And I'm an introvert, and I gotta admit, going into a group of strangers and talking for an hour and a half is not my idea of a good time. But, you know, they, they, they said do this, and so, okay, I'm, I'm kind of a rule follower. I went into the group, and there's about four of us, and I'm thinking, okay, who are these guys? And one of them was an old man. He had white hair. He was wearing a three-piece suit and a tie, and I'm in jeans. I mean, what is this, this old guy? Turns out he's a guy named L.H. Hardwick. He founded Christ Church in Nashville. Christ Church is the home of many contemporary Christian um, uh, music personalities and country stars. And, and I'm like, oh, 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 maybe I shouldn't judge a, a man by his suit. And we got to talking, and I mean, this guy is just leaking hope everywhere. He's just spewing it all over us. And I'm just going, this is incredible. This man's 71, 72 years old. He's more hopeful than I am. And uh, I, finally, I said to him, I said, Mount, tell me, which era of ministry have you enjoyed the most? And he said, well, actually, the one I'm enjoying the most is the next one. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this man's 71, 72 years old. He is living with hope. He can't wait for the next chapter of life. And I thought, that's who I want to be when I grow up. I want you to think about what I would have missed if I'd said, I'm not going to that group because I'm going to want to be uncomfortable. So here at Loring Mill, uh, you will see posters all around the room. And if you're at one of the campuses, you're going to see them in the lobby. These are the different group opportunities that we have. And I would encourage you to get in a group. You can sign up. Uh, you can, uh, in fact, you can just, if you will text group uh, to a phone number that I think we've got. Yes, right there. Text that. Just text group. We'll help you find a group. And I tell you, the group I really want to go to is called Running Shoes. It's going to meet here at Loring Mill at 945. And all I can think of is I want to see who goes to that group. Not that I think I will go to that group, but I think that would be a really cool group. So I want to encourage you to get in a group. Now, that's the first environment we can create. Here's the second one. I want to encourage you to grow your character. And I want you to embrace one spiritual discipline this year that I think will help you above all others. I want you to commit to read the Bible every day. Read the Bible every day. Some of you already do this. Good for you. Some of you, you need to start. How do you start? There's an app called the Version. I want you to get it. It has all kinds of reading plans. Download it. Pick a reading plan. Start reading. If you read a verse a day, it will help because you need words of hope. Now, I'm not going to say that every day that you read the Bible, it's going to be a message of hope. But my experience is about two out of every three days, I'm getting a message, and I think, God, you wrote that just for me today. That is the supernatural work of the Scripture. Here's the third thing I want you to do. I want you to go and share. I want you to take the focus off of you. The reason some of you struggle with hope is you're too self-absorbed. You're so focused on your own problems, you're forgetting that there are other people out there. So we've got one simple way for you to do that. Uh, we have cards like this. It says 40 by 630 and has a number on it. The start of 2020, we challenged you to pray that we would baptize 120 people in 2020. Well, COVID happened. 
So we stretched it out to two years. And so 2020 to 2021, we baptized 137 people because God's people were praying. Thanks be to God. So we want to, we, that worked. You know, if something works, you ought to do it again. So that's what we're doing. Now you say, well, why are we only praying for 40 for the first six months of the year? Because we do most of our baptisms in the second half of the year. So we just want to start by saying, God send us 40 people the next six months that are taking their next step of baptism. So I got number one. You know why I got number one? Because it was the card they put up here. That's why I got number one. So I'm praying for our first person to be baptized. These cards are located at tables uh, in this room and in the campus rooms. And if you will, on watching online, all you have to do is put something in the chat room about I want to pray for somebody to be baptized and they're going to give you a number. Okay. Here's the last thing. I want you to know Jesus better. I want you to know him deeper. Now, some of you don't know Jesus, right? You, don't, you, you know about him, but you don't really know him. You've not experienced him. You need to start the relationship, invite him into your life, invite him to forgive your sins, and then commit to follow him. That's your first step. But a lot of us, we've already done that. So our job this next year, I think goes back to praying that prayer. God of hope, fill me with joy and peace so that your hope may increase. I think we need to pray that. That's gonna help us know Jesus better. It's gonna help us actually understand his grace. We're gonna be able to walk in peace and joy. And that's why today we're gonna to finish out this message with the Lord's Supper. It's a reminder that we serve a risen Savior who's in the world today. And we know that he is living no matter what men may say. He is the hope of all who seek him, the help of all who find. None other is so loving, so good, and so kind. So if you will, I hope you all got one of these Lord's Supper cups. And if you didn't, if you'll just raise your hand real quick, we have some deacons who will get you one. And if you'll turn it so the bread side is up and peel back that seal, take out that little piece of bread. I just want you to think about this. Jesus Christ, he came to earth. His body was broken for you and for me. And he did this all so that you could know the grace of being reconciled with your heavenly father. And when you're reconciled with your heavenly father, you can then have joy you can have that deep awareness that God has blessed you just because he loves you. And you can have peace, that well-being that you're in God's hands. So remember his grace. Give thanks that he loves you so much that his body was broken for you as you take and eat. And then if you will, take that same cup and turn the juice side up and peel back that seal. Just hold it for a minute. We think that the blood of Jesus Christ is so powerful, so pure, has the ability to heal the whole universe. And it's a reminder of how great our God is. And that our God is in the hope business. He's come to give you hope and this church hope and this world hope.
And it's by the power of the blood of Jesus that the bridge has been built to bring hope and light into the world. So commit to be people of hope as your Savior has brought you hope as you take and drink. Let me tell you what really happens. This is reality. And we're reality where we live. When you, this is hope. This is what we hope for. And when Jesus comes into your life, and when you start praying for the God of all hope to fill you with joy and peace, your reality starts to change. And you begin to live as people of hope because now your reality is the hope of Jesus. So let's read that verse together one more time. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the hope that's ours in Jesus. Thank you for the peace that is ours, the joy that is ours. And I pray for every person who's hearing uh, this message, your message, your word today, that they would live as people of hope. Make us a church of hope with a message of hope to a world that feels so hopeless. In Jesus' name I pray.